Welcome back to Strive to Five. As always, I am your host, Joseph Hadaway, and sitting on here with me today is Evan, or as you probably better know him on Twitter, My Money Marathon. Evan's a financial coach, a YouTuber, a mechanical engineer, and well, I'm just scratching the surface. How are you doing today, Evan? I'm doing quite well. Doing quite well. How are you? Hey, doing well myself. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be a ton of fun to talk and, you know, get to talk to a different audience and everything. Oh, yeah. So I guess dive right into it. I gave you a little bit of a brief bio there, a couple quick hits. What else can you tell us about yourself? So, uh, yeah, again, my name is Evan. Uh, a little bit about me is that I graduated from college uh, with my bachelor's in mechanical engineering. I basically came out of college and made good money as a mechanical engineer. I'm still in that engineering role currently, and I got out making good money, which I was extremely thankful for. It started me off in a great place, but I'm still not totally satisfied with the situation in terms of being locked into a nine-to-five, and so trying to work my way to uh, find a way out of it, ran into investing along the way through some uh, friends at work and became very interested in it, and at first started with day trading. We'll dive in a little bit more to that, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, questionable. But regardless, got into investing. At least I was exposed to it um, at the very minimum. So I decided to try and learn, dove into it, did a lot of reading, a lot of research, a lot of learning. And that has really set me off on a good track. And it's what got me started in the investing and personal finance space. Absolutely love to hear it. Um, do want to dive a little more into that real quick, just because, you know, you mentioned you are a mechanical engineer by trade. That's your nine to five. That's a bit of a jump to personal finance any like specific event that got you into that or did it just kind of creep on to you before you knew it uh it sort of just creeped on to me other than like i mentioned some friends getting uh turning me on to it and turning around to the idea of it in terms of day trading outside of that there was no real specific event it just started to feel i started to feel the, the monotony of it the feeling like you're waking up at the same time every day to go to the same job to the same building to see the same people to do basically the same job every day. You know, it, it varies a good bit, but for the most part, you're still doing the same job, same concepts, same applications and everything. And that just started to kind of grind away at me, maybe a little bit more quickly than it does to other people. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I can't speak for anybody, how anybody else feels, but it started to really grind away at me and start to feel like I need to, to make a change and figure something else out. I think you are in very good company with the listeners of this show. Uh, mm -hmm. definitely mm -hmm. heard that exact story more than one time. So then branching off to that, you got the inspiration to get your own finances in order, pursue your own, I guess, life outside of your nine to five. When did my money marathon or really all of your online content start fitting into that? Um, so it started fitting into that in that, you know, I had, I had a good link, or I guess you could say a good timing in that I started becoming very interested in personal finance, like I mentioned, investing. And then around the same time was feeling this, this monotony at work. And so I was trying to find a way out of it. And I know that a, a common way that people get out of these sorts of situations out of a nine to five is by creating their own content online of some sort and trying to help others. And so it was just kind of a marriage made in heaven in terms of the timing of learning about personal finance and wanting to create something online and thinking, what can I create on that I'm interested in? I want to learn about, but I also feel like I'm more knowledgeable on than the average person. And so I feel like I have something to, something to give and something to provide to most people out there that would listen to me. And that's really where the idea was born is how can I try and share this online and trying to put a little bit more of a personal spin on it, which is why it's my money marathon is, you know, I, I want to help other people, but I can't speak for other people. I can't tell them what to do. I'm not a financial advisor. So this is really 
this is what's worked for me. This is what's happened to me. And this is what's going to continue happening for me, which is why it's a marathon. It's going to be happening indefinitely for the rest of my life. Um, so I'm trying to share that journey and share what I learned along the way. I love that. And you brought up two points there that I, I really, really like, you know, you mentioned this is your journey. It's what works for you and like your situation may work for somebody else may not. And then also it's, it's a marathon. We're not, yeah. we're not getting rich yeah, quick no. here to say the least. So then I, I guess, you know, branching off of that one last time, um, I'm, I've used the same segue <laughs> four times now. Um, are you planning to be a full-time content creator? Or are you like a, trying to get into the fire movement? What's, what's the plan? So yeah, a mix, a mix of both in terms of, I do want content creation to be my long-term goal here. That's, that's my long-term aim would be able to turn content creation into my full-time gig and, uh, share that with people full-time and be able to earn a full-time living from it. But also fire is definitely part of the goal, not a full retirement, as I feel like a lot of fire, a lot of the fire community hopes for, they don't necessarily hope for quitting their job and just doing nothing all day or just traveling all day, every single day. It's a lot about finding a creative outlet, finding an outlet to put energy into. And my goal would be for my money marathon to become that for me to create content and help others. But at the same time, turn it down from a 40 hour a week, nine to five to, you know, 10 hours a week, whatever it might be, tone it down, scale it back or be able to scale it up when I want and really just get that flexibility, but have the financial independence side of it where if I don't want to work or if I want to completely shift and pivot to something else, then I want to be able to have that independence and freedom to do that without stressing over money or stressing over career choices or anything like that. I hear you on that. I think that's kind of the cusp of the fire movement or at least the healthy cusp of the fire movement. I mean, if you're doing all of this to just not work, then it's not going to work out. Yeah. And also for everyone who's, who's watching or everyone who's listening to this on Spotify, Apple podcast, first off, thank you. Uh, second off, we had a bit of a surprise visitor. I warned Evan before the show that I'm dog sitting <laughs> right now. So Maggie has popped up to say hi. Cause she heard me talking. Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, that's what I thought. So getting away, you know, from your online brand and all that kind of just more into basic personal finance. Let's let's start here at the beginning, you know, as a financial coach, personal finance personality, what do you see as like the first step for people to start getting their money on track or together? So the first step, this is going to sound, you know, if we're talking at the very first step, it's going to sound very repetitive and cliche from what I'm sure other people have heard from others, but it's really just start to pay attention to where you're at. Uh, the key I would put there, though, the caveat would be not too much. You should pay attention to the degree that you know where you are, you know your situation, you know your future plans, you can project out, you know, roughly into the future of where you're going to be, you know, what kind of savings you have in place, you know, what rate that savings will be increasing at over time, hopefully paying attention to, to get that sort of baseline foundational info in but not to the degree that you're stressing about it every single day, preferably. Of course, if you're in a, a very poor financial situation where you have to pay attention to every day, that's totally different. But for the majority of people who are in a situation where they're able to be comfortable, it can really stress you out and negatively affect the person to constantly pay attention to it. Even if you're in a good situation, if you're paying attention every day and seeing it decrease every time you buy groceries or whatever, that can be a, a huge negative influence on your life. So just starting to, to pay attention to where you're at, but you know, mitigate it a little bit, maybe just check in once a week, once every couple of weeks, even once a month to get a feel for where you're at, but not too much. 
And again, I, I'm going to keep just saying absolutely hit the nail on the head here, knowing, all right, all right, I'm officially putting you down. You are getting a little too in the way. <laughs> there are four beds in here. Go pick one. Okay. Um, no, do not come back. I This may stay in. If it does, that's Maggie, everybody. If it doesn't, then, well, here we are. All right. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, budgeting really is the first step to getting your money on track, getting it together. You got to know what's coming in and what's going out so you can track it really and then control it. And then on top of that, you also kind of mentioned this and I wholeheartedly agree with you as well. Financial stress is a totally different type of stress. Like it is quite possibly worse than any other type of stress out there. Yeah, absolutely. You can feel helpless and you can feel like you, you don't have a a way out of it. It feels like you're out of control. It feels like you, always need more money because you need money for everything let's be honest need money just to to do just about anything so it, it can really be a, a stressor unlike anything else amen absolutely so you know now that we've gotten through you know budgeting and all that and kind of just intro i'm I'm going to skip ahead a few steps here going into like investments i, I know you know there's a lot of if you search dividend on twitter you're going to get six hundred thousand accounts <laughs> uh personally yeah. i'm an index fund believer myself what what do you what do you I guess what do you invest in index dividends a mix of both? Uh, you said you were a day trader, and I do want to dive into that next too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, nowadays um, I'm just going to sound very repetitive from you, but index funds nearly a hundred percent is what is what I'm going into. It's just easy, simple diversification, straightforward. If you're going for the overall market, it's going to be much more predictable than just about anything else in in the long term. Of course, not in the short term. For me, that's just the best way to set it up and especially because I lean extremely heavily into automation. That's something I talk about a ton on my, uh, on my, my content. Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump in, cut you off a little bit there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't your ebook like the wealth automation playbook? Yes. Yes. I do have an ebook for specifically automation, um, automating your wealth building and automating your wealth management as well. So trying to help build it more quickly and easily as well as manage it more easily and more efficiently. I'm a firm believer of automation myself. Um, I say a lot. I check my investment accounts like maybe once a year, sometimes mm-hmm. even a little less. Mm-hmm. I get that nice email like every other Friday that says my auto buys went through and that's the extent that I care. Yep. That's all you need. I firmly trust where my money is going to say the least. And backing up a little to you know, your story, I said I was going to bring this up. You were a day trader. How long did that last? That did not last very long. That probably only lasted maybe a month at most. And to be clear, I was not day trading any heavy amounts of money or anything. I think that I tried margin investing even once. I, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty serious. It was mainly, it sounds so stupid in hindsight, but it was mainly AMC because that's what one of my friends kind of, I want to say knew about, but you know, how much does anybody really know about the movement of AMC? But he was deep into that, paying attention to stock trends, candles, um, on TD, Ameritrade, on Thinkorswim, uh, building custom charts that he would use with custom metrics to try and track it and predict it and everything. And that never worked because it hit 30 bucks a share one time and it has not gotten anywhere close ever since. And that that was a huge regret. But yeah, I was, there was a long time where I was spending quite a lot of time at work or any of my off time paying attention to the stock movement and making pretty quick trades in and out and pr- trying to make pretty quick decisions. And nothing ever really came of it whatsoever um in the end because of how poorly amc turned out i did end up losing money because of that of course but 
a specific day trade never really made me or lost me a ton of money. It just felt like I was constantly, you know, going slightly up and down and that's all that ever happened. And I, I think you're like really good company there. I, I think, especially at least here in the U S personal finance is not widely taught in schools. And even then past that investing, I can honestly tell you, I did not even hear much about investing until college mm-hmm. and my degrees in finance. That's kind of why I heard about it outside of that. Nothing. So I, I think you're in like, you know, good company. A lot of people, you know, they start as day traders. I think even like back to jobs I worked pre high school and even into college where a lot of my like managers and supervisors who of course made more than minimum wage, uh, we're doing a lot of like day trading, swing trading, those sort of things because they heard that the market, the stock market makes people rich and mm-hmm. they're trying to get that piece of it without fully understanding it. And I even day traded for a while. I think you and I have about the same time horizon or amount of time we spent doing that. Mm-hmm. When I realized I was spending six hours watching candles to make 25 cents. Yeah. Yeah. No, just not worth it. No. Nope. Nope, absolutely not. So another thing I want to get into that sets you and I apart, um, I mentioned my undergrad, of course, was in finance. Here's in mechanical engineering. So most of my personal finance background comes through schooling, whereas mm-hmm. yours does not. How I guess when you were first starting to you know, learn personal finance, what kind of resource did you turn to? How hard was it find, to find those resources? Good information, bad information? That's actually a really good question. Um so where I learned a ton from was, and this can sound horrible, but YouTube and also then eventually books. I, I read quite a lot of books on the subject. Um, the biggest difference and honestly the biggest issue that I would see is that a ton of the content out there, it's it it's boring to just tell somebody to invest in index funds. You know, if that's the only thing that that you can say, obviously it's a valid thing to say as part of it, but if you just say that people aren't going to, going to want to show up as much so a lot of the content online to make it more exciting and clickbaity sort of is look at these quick trades you can make pay attention to these companies within the next week and then come back to me next week because i'll tell you what companies to pay attention to then and what trades to make then and for how much and what margin to use and everything that's much more exciting content to make and it's going to attract a lot more eyeballs so with me trying to learn online initially there was a lot more content out there that was focused on day trading or quick risky trades as opposed to long-term safe trades just because it's more exciting content. And so initially when I was learning about the market and how it works and the fundamentals and what the heck even is a stock or a share, I was learning it from the point of view of this is how to track trends. This is how often you should be trading. This is what to pay attention for in a company and not like PE or these long-term indicators but looking at the change in the last 24 hours or something and so i got exposed to that a lot more and i think that that was detrimental overall again i didn't lose a ton of money from that day trading period but i know that if from day one of learning i had just started from a book instead of youtube say started from a solid fundamental investing book and it had told me to buy index funds and i bought index funds up front i would have made significantly more gains if i had just made up for that you know i did day trading for only about a month and then after that there was a little bit of a gap of like do i want to continue investing so at least another two or three months before i eventually started buying into pun not intended buying into the whole index fund idea and if i had bought into that up front then that would be at least three four or five maybe even six months worth of long-term compounding and investing that i would have had under my belt that i missed out on because of trying to learn the way that i did 
Amen. And I really like the point you brought up there. Like you said, I mean, we're, we're both online content creators pushing a very, very similar message. Index fund investing from a content creator perspective is boring. It is a lot harder to, you know, tell people buy VTI, buy VU, buy, buy SPY, buy, the, buy VT, all these big index funds. That is not investment advice, by the way. <laughs> um, it's... You're going to say the exact same thing every single week ad nauseum forever. It is, it's hard. It's difficult. And people don't want to keep hearing the exact same thing over and over again. But then when you get these like day traders with a million followers on TikTok who can say, like you said, come back next week for more stock picks, Mm -hmm. you know, suddenly everyone's clicking somebody, suddenly everybody's subscribing. And I mean, I guarantee if look at portfolios, the only way they're making more money than me is through course sales. Very true. Very true. Anything you can do to just get more eyeballs. It it makes me angry. I, I've said that several times. Like, I could be like a full-time content creator now if I just sold out all my morals and just started saying, you know, everyone buy AMC right now. Again, yep. not investment advice. I hate gotta add that little little quip on there every single time. Yep, yep. So, you know, keeping on to the investing wealth building and all that, um, Canico engineering, of course, super great career path. Uh, absolutely no hate on that at all. Do you, I guess, in your personal financial situation, um, do you see a need for like multiple income streams? Does everybody need one? What are your thoughts on that? I would say that everybody certainly doesn't. <clears throat> I mean, the obvious example would be if you're making hundreds of thousands a year. <clears throat> Excuse me, kind of thing. If you're making hundreds of thousands a year from your day job and you enjoy it, you're not overworked, you're pretty comfortable there, then there's no real reason to. If you are in a comfortable comfortable financial place where you're able to achieve all of your financial goals within a reasonable amount of time and still enjoy what you're doing and not being overworked, then there's no real reason to. But I feel that a lot of people are like me, then they feel like their situation is very mundane or they're in a situation where they are being underpaid and there's not a real easy way out through the career path because a lot of career paths require additional schooling, additional certifications, 10 years of experience, whatever it might be. If you don't have an easy way out, then a side hustle can be a huge opportunity to build something and build your own skills, build your own personal value outside of what an employer views you as. It has infinite upside in terms of the, the earning potential, but depending on what you build, there's the sky is the limit essentially and it's all scalable by you if, if you can find something that works which a lot more people do than, than you would think honestly if you're able to find something that works you can scale that up and down as necessary and, and as fits your situation and that's just something you can't do at a day job and so for anybody who feels disappointed with their job and has the time outside of work to be able to do it if you're raising three kids by yourself or something like that then no it, it's it, realistically it's not going to be feasible for most people. So I'm not going to pretend like everybody has the opportunity to do it. But if you are in a situation where you're fortunate enough to have that spare time and you just really want to get out of your stuck day job situation and improve your life, then I would say that it's absolutely a a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wholeheartedly agree with you there. Like you said, not everybody needs a side hustle, but if you're looking for freedom faster or a little more out of life, it's absolutely never a bad time to start another income stream. Mm-hmm. So moving into a few other things, um, before we got on this interview, of course, I scrolled your Twitter quite a bit, which I think I, I think I do that on about a daily basis. Like you are, you 
totally off topic here. You've been tweeting fire lately. Like you've been blowing up. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Like I, I saw what was that mortgage tweet you put out the other day? Other than that guy yelling at you under my response, note <laughs> note to editing me, put a screenshot about that. You were like you raked yeah. in like over ten thousand views, twenty twenty thousand views on that, which for you know, an account that I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you started what was it late last year? That's pretty good. Yeah, I didn't really start actively tweeting until february or march of this year really because it started november last year but honestly a a lot of my early tweets and i should probably find a way to go back and delete these a lot of my early tweets were just automated posts from my wordpress account where every time i'd put up a blog post it would just tweet out a link to it and say hey i have this new blog post with this title and nobody was seeing it it was all meaningless but there's hundreds of, of, of posts like that um, so I should probably go back and delete those, but so I didn't actually actively start creating content uniquely, uniquely for Twitter until around February, I think. I mean, honestly, that just makes it more impressive, mm-hmm. but either way, so I'll scroll on your Twitter. I saw that you invest with arrived and I'm going to, I'm going to let you say this real quick. You know, what, what is arrived? And this is not a sponsor segment. Yeah. So Arrived is a real estate crowdfunding platform. So if you don't know what real estate crowdfunding is, essentially imagine that instead of going, you want to you want to obtain a rental and you want to earn rental income from it. Instead of going out and forking up, you know, $60,000 for the down payment, getting the loan out for the mortgage, paying the monthly payment on the mortgage for yourself, finding a tenant, sourcing a tenant, making sure they're a good tenant and they have good history, dealing with maintenance along the way, collecting payments, finding a new tenant when that tenant leaves. All of that is done by a third-party platform. And instead of you having to fork up all of the money for that rental, you split it up amongst, let's say, 100, 1,000, 10,000 other investors. And you all buy into that, all actually own a portion of that rental and you all combine your money to be able to afford it. And then you have this third-party company that, of course, you pay small fees for to, to deal with all the maintenance and tenants and vacancies and all that sort of stuff. You pay them to deal with the, the headache of the situation, really. And you can just rake in a, profits for rental income that the company is earning because you do own legally own a portion of that residence. So you're going to get your part of the rental payments, and then you're also going to get your part of the appreciation of the property if it goes up over time. So the goal of companies like Arrived is to give people access to real estate who can't afford to get into real estate the traditional way or the only other way realistically. So you can buy into entire complexes, entire apartment complexes or entire neighborhoods or even multiple neighborhoods and try and diversify among there. But it's a really good opportunity to tap into real estate if you don't have another way to absolutely i mean so i guess you know correct me if i'm wrong very similar to like a privatized REIT, except you can choose which properties you want to invest in yeah yeah very similar like you said you get you get more flexibility and at least to my knowledge arrived um is also getting you more actual ownership of the property whereas the REIT you're essentially owning the company that owns the property so you don't have any rights to the property or or any rights to the rental payments or anything you just have to hope that the REIT is going to pass everything through as they should whereas with a company like Arrived, Arrived is just helping you with the maintenance and such but you're actually the direct owner of that portion of property. I Do they have a referral program out of curiosity do you know? They do have a referral program yes. All right, this episode might be sponsored by Arrived. We'll see. I'm going to take a look into it. If not, I'll definitely link it 
in the show notes below or the video description if you're on YouTube watching this. Um, I do have a link for it for what it's worth. <laughs> we might we we might use Evans. We'll see how it goes. Um, so I moving on from that at time of recording. I don't know when this is going to go live, but at time of recording, average mortgage interest rate in the U.S. is what seven seven and a half percent on a thirty year loan. God, maybe even a little higher. Um, and on top of that, real estate values since 2020 have skyrocketed. Um, actually, yeah, because this will go live. This this podcast will go live after the video. Um, I put out a YouTube video about a house down the road from me that somebody bought in 2021 for $97,000. Right now, the valuation on that with no improvements is pushing 190. That's That's two years of appreciation. So, and that's, I live in a smallish town in North Carolina. I can't imagine what like LA real estate's doing right now. But before I get sidetracked too far, let me ask you this. You know, do you, you're in with arrived, you're owning partial of these properties, kind of like a tokenized real estate kind of thing going on. Do you ever foresee yourself getting into real estate investing? And I, I guess, you know, why or why not? Why would or wouldn't that be attractive to you? Mm-hmm. In the long term, I would say, yeah, I think it's a very common path for people that are financially savvy, financially interested, whatever you want to say, to want to get into it because it can be a really solid, reliable source of mostly passive income. So in the long term, I would definitely say so. In the short term, I would say absolutely not um, because I am younger. So to start off, um, it's very time intensive dealing with, like I mentioned before, vacancies, trying to find tenants, maintenance along the way, hoping you don't have any issues, hoping a storm doesn't come through. You know, down in Florida, we have hurricanes come through. God knows what could happen in between there. You have to contact insurance. Who knows? Very time intensive. And so at my age right now, I want to commit as much time as I can to building myself to, for example, building this brand right here and setting up a good foundation for myself for the future. And so I want to have as much time as possible available to devote to that. And then later on, once I'm kind of more settled and my foundations are set up, then I'd be willing to devote that time. Also, the more obvious one, how financially intensive it is, having tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars laying around just to be able to throw into a single property, a single asset, is not something that I that I have the luxury of yet. So waiting for that to to build up further. And also, I just don't know where I want to be yet. So even though I know that you could buy a rental, and then when you leave, just hire somebody to manage it when you're gone, that's still you know a whole faff to have to deal with. So at this point, I would rather avoid that and rather move around a little bit, figure out where we want to be, and then settle down a little bit more, buy a house, set it up for rent, all that sort of stuff. Um, later on once we've kind of settled down our roots and that's let me tell you the smart answer um <laughs> as someone who bought a home and i've talked about a few times that i'm, I'm inside of right now uh about a year ago um that's i mean we got it for well below market but also it required a lot of work just to be livable yeah if you don't have cash ready to deploy it's 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 gonna be miserable yeah um that is by, I'm, I'm going to absolutely hand it to you. That is, as someone, again, who has spent way more money than I ever thought possible on fixing one property over the last year. Smart answer. Everybody listen to Evan. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be financially uh, tied to anything at, at that much at this point. A car, you know, would be a little different financially tied to a loan or something like that. That wouldn't be, you know, it's not location dependent. You can still take that car wherever you want to go. But I don't want to be tied down to a home saying, you know, we really want to move, which... 
we do want to leave Florida at some point. Spoiler alert, but we want to leave, <laughs> but now we have this house that we're financially tied to and how are we going to manage that from a distance and management would eat into the profits and everything like that. It's just not something that I would want to deal with yet. Yeah. And again, totally understandable. So again, perfect segue because that's what I'm amazing at. You mentioned being financially tied to a car. When, uh, when are you getting that Tesla, my boy? Oh, Jesus Christ. As soon as humanly possible. Um, too far away though. Uh, at this point, probably about a year or, so, or, or something like that. Um, there's a refresh coming out. I don't know if you've heard about that Model 3 refresh. Yeah, I don't know. Some people you know, are obsessed with Tesla like me, and then some people just don't give a crap about it. But uh, yeah, there, there's going to be a refresh happening. So you know, it'll be a good lineup between a refresh happening, getting a newer model, as well as uh, saving up financially and being in a more financially comfortable place to be able to do that and not have a $700 a month car payment or some crap like that. Yeah, um, I, I gotta say, if, yeah, if you ever want to talk cars, don't don't call me. Um, <laughs> I drove a 2004 Saturn View for like seven years, with no no radio, barely any AC, and no power locks or windows. And then I traded that in for a used Elantra. I am, I'm not a car guy, so I trust you on the refresh. But hey, nothing, nothing, uh, <laughs> absolutely nothing wrong with that. I wish I was a person that. I, I wish I didn't get obsessed with Tesla and I wish I was able to just drive something that was much cheaper because it would be, of course, financially better, but it's just something that, that I would love so much and would bring so much value to my life that it's, you know, it's something that's going to happen. So let, let me ask you this. Cause I mean, again, we run the same Twitter community. Uh, as we all know, every millionaire drives a used Toyota Camry yep, as yep. every Twitter influencer will tell you. Um, <laughs> what, What's holding you back from like, you know, the Tesla? Like, do you, I understand it's you want to hit a certain level of, you know, wealth or I hate to say net worth or, you know, financial security. <laughs> Are you looking for like more income, some debt payoff just to be in a more stable place in life? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, yeah, no problem at all. Um, so I'm very thankful and I would be, uh, I'm open about all this sort of stuff in the content as well. I try to be very transparent about it. Um, I'm in a very fortunate place where I don't have any debt at this point. So that's, you know, huge weight that doesn't have to be on my shoulders. So that's awesome that I don't have to worry about that. I'm very thankful for that. Um, in terms of income, because uh, I am an, an engineer in a decent position, income isn't as much of my concern as just having a foundation of, of finances behind me. I've seen, I've had a friend who in college was earning around 80 or 85,000 a year which during college is a lot to make if you're not in LA or something like that, which we weren't. Um, I was about to say, uh, I made 15 an hour at a 30 hour a week job in yeah. college. And I, and I was balling out compared to everybody else. I can't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what during, I do with 85. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, he didn't either, which is why I saw the situation of somebody who has pretty low living expenses and extremely high income still struggle a ton with money and struggle to have enough till the next week and literally saying, dude, I have 20 bucks for the next three days. How am I going to do this? And so I know that I'm not to that extreme, but I've, I've seen the other side of it. So I'm in a situation where I, I know that I have the income, but I don't want to get myself caught in a situation where I'm having to dip into too many assets to deal with something. Say I want to go through with the purchase. I want to take out as little from my investments as possible and have as much cash i have stuff in a high yield savings account so it's not cash per se because mm -hmm. it's still growing some but have as much cash to to pull from instead of having to pull from assets and at this point i would have to pull enough from assets that it would be frustrating to me and eat away from my compounding that i could have had over the long run 
So even though I could afford it at this point and the income would be okay for the, for the monthly payments, I wouldn't be able to put a high enough down payment on it to lower the car payment, pay less in interest, maybe, maybe even shorter, the shorten the loan term and all that sort of stuff. So just really building up a, a safety net to deal with that as well as just all the costs that come come along with a car paying for floor mats paying for you know a, a portable charger for the car a portable charging cord um paying for tinting on the car all that sort of stuff that sounds silly but you know it's two or three thousand additional on top of whatever you're expecting to pay for the car so just being ready for all those sorts of charges i hadn't even thought about that you mentioned the the charger i hadn't even thought about electric car or hybrid um yeah that's unexpected expense you gotta be ready for Mm-hmm. I had some else I want to ask on the Tesla train, but I'm totally forgetting. I'm totally blanking on what it was right now. <laughs> it may come back to me. It may not. I, I guess we'll see. So moving on then, you know, just general business industry talk. So big question real quick. How do you feel about the term Finfluencer? I think it's pretty good overall. I think I, from my point of view, it's pretty decent for the term itself. It's a whole different story if we're talking about the the people behind it and the, the general uh, vibe behind it. But the, the term itself, I think, is pretty good trying to to influence people and, you know, show people um, financial related ideas that they could better their finances and trying to to learn from social media. I was I'll admit I was heavy, heavy against it for a while. And I know a lot of other people are, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm slowly coming around to it like. I get the meaning behind the term. I just don't like being lumped into some of the group that comes with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Either way. Yeah. So let me, before I get to the next question, do you work from home, go to the office? I know you have a nine to five. Is that hybrid or. Yeah, it's hybrid at this point. So usually two days a week I'm at home and then three days a week I'm in the office. Okay. That seems to be a pretty, I'm not going to say standard working range for a lot of people right now, but kind of a dream but still you are working 40 hours a week you're putting out the newsletter which uh, i saw your update post about that killing it by the way you're on twitter every day i'm seeing you with all these custom instagram posts which i'm a little jealous of i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i know you do coaching i know you got the ebooks i know you got the youtube channel going how are you balancing that so first off i'll say that i'm very thankful that i don't have to work overtime with my nine to five i know that a lot of people are even other people at my job who are in different positions have different responsibilities have been there for longer and sucked into things or we're standard working nine ten twelve thirteen hour days sometimes and i'm just there with a stable eight hour job it's I don't let people push me any further than that. And also people don't try to push me any further than that. So first off, I'll say that I have just that pretty structured work schedule as well as it's awesome that my side hustle is digital so I can work on it anytime. So I can work on it in the bathroom. I can work on it in the the doctor's (laughs) lunchroom. I can work on it over lunch. I will often bring my, when I work in person, I bring my personal laptop, my MacBook to work. And I'll just either go out to the car or just put it on my desk next to my work computer. And over lunch while I'm eating, I'll work on stuff, go into Twitter, get some posts out there, you know, create some Instagram posts, whatever it might be. So I, I'm very thankful that it's digital so I can do it anywhere at any time on my phone, on my laptop, whatever it might be. Oh yeah. It's, it's an absolute perk. Like you said, the ability, the internet and social media have really opened up opportunities like this. Cause I mean, 20 years ago, uh, I'm sure you and I were, Definitely too young at the time to get into a few of those things, but the opportunities just weren't there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now, like, I, I hate to be the Twitter guru that says this, but I mean, really, you can get a lot done and even make a good amount of money with a cell phone and internet connection. Yeah. 
I should say, I'm going to shout out. I love Canva, their mobile app. Oh God. I, I use Canva. I use them for scheduling my Instagram posts as well as scheduling, posting the images over to Twitter and everything. And Canva is absolutely fantastic. Again, not sponsored. Unless Canva, you want to hit me up. I would love, I can talk about Canva all day. I, <laughs> I'm going to edit this podcast episode in Canva. Like we'll go that far on that. <laughs> but, you know, moving on. So do you, I've talked to other people, you know, who are in similar boats, like like we both are. You work the nine to five, but then you have the digital side hustle on the side. Do you do like compartmentalized time or do you kind of just work on your side hustle whenever you can? I wish I was better at compartmentalizing my time and structuring my time. I'm very jealous of people like, I don't know if you know Ali Abdal on YouTube. He does a lot with time management and such, and he has some videos about time blocking, and he's just got a Google Calendar scheduling exactly what he's going to be working on exactly when. And I've always wanted to be that kind of person, but I'm just horrible at predicting how long something's going to take or prioritizing what's most important. And so it just comes to the time when I say, well, that went a lot faster than I thought it would, or I'm stuck on this. This is going to take longer for me to get through, or, you know, actually this is way more, more important for me to work on than this. So things just flow around so much. So I'm not that great at compartmentalizing between the two. Um, it just kind of goes as it goes as it goes. And sometimes I'll, you know, get home from work and I'll work until 10 PM on it. And then some days I just won't even touch it that day. And I'll wor worry about it the next day. It's kind of on and off, which hopefully isn't too bad for longevity. <laughs> it's worked well so far, but uh, I do think I need to get a little bit better about structuring it. And a couple, you know, I guess, you know, follow up questions on that. Cause I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I know your goal is to do the whole influencer content creation thing full time. Correct. Correct. How do you how do you see yourself slipping into that like part time first then dive in whole or are you going to jump straight from the nine to five straight to full time influencer? So, I would not be opposed to part time as an option. Mm -hmm. My issue is that especially in engineering, part time would be sort of difficult. I could do consulting or something along those lines. But especially as somebody who's younger, I doubt that many people would want a consultant with only a couple years experience, whereas in a full-time role, they're totally fine with devoting the time to train you and help you learn, but they're not going to want to pay you to just do part-time. So I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I don't think it would be realistic for, for my career path to be able to turn it into part-time. So definitely a full shift full-time. Which is absolutely, totally reasonable. And I've heard that from a lot of other people in similar boats um i think for a lot of people working in you know, professional industries and even into a lot of the trades like like you said there's not especially if you're younger there's not a lot of part-time work available mm -hmm. um sometimes it seems like the best option if you want to go part-time into something like 20 30 hours a week at starbucks i think they start at 13 or 15 an hour and you get the health benefits mm -hmm. and of course mm -hmm. that's here in the u.s all you europeans with good free health insurance <laughs> Connor, I'm Screw talking you. to you. Yeah. You, you lucky <laughs> bastards. Oh, man. So, and then continuing on that. So your business is online. It's digital. It's very social media. We've talked Twitter. We've talked YouTube. Uh, we've talked Instagram. Blowing up recently, or at least that I've noticed since we started talking over the last about a month now. What do you, what do you think is driving that? How, how are you doing it? I would say that um, mainly on Twitter, 
uh, is where it's been going very well recently. And I would say on Twitter, it's just engagement, which I know that all of these are boring answers. I, I don't have some trick to tell you to open Microsoft Word, type this word into Microsoft Word, and then open Excel, save the document, and you'll have 100 more followers. But just a crap ton of engagement with other people, uh, accounts of any size, engaged people that just focus on larger accounts. I think that you're missing out on making connection, a lot of connections with people of a similar size. I mean, first off, that's how we connected. If I was only looking to engage with accounts that have 20,000 or more followers or something, then we wouldn't, we wouldn't have engaged and started communicating as people. They're more similar, like three times my size, but at least closer in, in account size and, uh, and longevity on the platform uh, lifespan so far. And just engaging with absolutely everybody whose posts you enjoy and being very genuine and honest with the comments, even sometimes critical, not in a mean or degrading way, but just saying, I disagree with you. This is why. No hate, not being disrespectful. This is just how I feel. And people tend to respond very openly and honestly to that sort of engagement. Not, not a one word engagement of just cool or nice or fire emoji, but giving it genuine thought and saying, this is an interesting post, or this is a helpful post, or I think this will be useful and helpful for other people, or I have a little bit something add to add to this, an additional point that I think is important in this conversation. Uh, all that sort of engagement has been working really well, and I feel like I've been seeing really good results. Oh, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I, again, we'll go back to, I think you had something go viral recently too. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, I think... Uh, the, the highest was like 20,000 is what something reached pretty recently, which for me is a hundred percent viral. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like the point you brought up, you know, you brought up like creating connections, you know, there's, there's a real person behind the screen. Number two, you're not just saying like neat, cool, or like the fire emoji. So people are yeah. actually, you know, you're providing value in the replies or in what you say, which then goes another step to build your, your actual profile and your credibility on the platform. And number three, you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're meeting people. That kind of seems to be the secret. No entrepreneur grows on an island. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that hasn't worked for me so far on Twitter is DMs. I don't know if other people, I don't know if I'm missing something. I don't know if I've, you know, I've just gotten unlucky with it, but it feels like almost all the people that I just cold DM don't respond to me whatsoever. I can see that they've seen it and I just don't get a response from it. Um, so that's the one thing that hasn't quite worked for me for some reason, but doing honest engagement on their posts works a lot more because I feel like it's, I'm being public about it. It's not like I'm trying to get behind the scenes and say, Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Do you want to follow me? And I'll follow you and, you know, do this whole thing, which I'm not DMing them follow for follow or some crap, but <laughs> it feels like you're trying to kind of hide the communication a lot more. Whereas if you're being engaging on their, their public forum, on their public posts, then, they can recognize, okay, this person is actually providing value to my post, like you mentioned, instead of just DMing, you're not providing any real value to their account or to their public persona or perception. You're just kind of doing it in private. Yeah. Uh, and for the record, I don't think it's entirely your fault on the cold DMs not working. Um, I've been wanting an excuse to bring this up for about a week now, and you kind of just led me into it. <laughs> so I have it pulled up right here on my second monitor, and I'm not going to share this because... The guy uses his real name and his at in it. I mean, I guess I could. No, no, I'm just going to read it. It says, and I quote, hi, my name is, and then he put his first name. Can you follow me on Twitter and start liking my tweets and also give me ideas on how to make better content? Jesus Christ. 
dude doesn't follow me at all or anything. He just slipped in my DMs to say that. Um, I deleted it, but then, I, and then also that, you know, the whole bot program, I get every, I'm sure you do those like every day. Do you need a part-time job or check out my OnlyFans all the time? Checking it's... that, you know, that message request section on Twitter, it's risky. You never, <laughs> you might make a new friend or yeah. you might hate, you might hate everything. It's, yeah. it's how, how willing are you to roll the dice? Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. I don't, it, the more, uh, what would be the word? The more giving you are, I guess, the better. There's, I know there's a better word out there. I'm not smart enough to find it, but the, the more giving you are to other people, if you're giving them engagement, if you're giving them uh, help, advice, criticism on whatever, then that's going to get you much farther than just saying, "Hey, do this for me," because this would help me. I mean, that's. I know they wouldn't respond to it is the thing. If if you aren't going to respond to what you're sending out, if you wouldn't respond to your own message, then, then what the heck are you doing? Because I know that if you DM'd him, hey, give me a follow, look at all my content, <laughs> give me criticism on my content, thanks, without even following him, he wouldn't respond. So why does he think the other people will? Absolutely. And this this is now my favorite part of the show. Um, I did not include this in the script, but I'm going to throw it out now. Actual ad read. If you're having trouble growing on social media or want tips on how to grow your social media presence, Jaguar Digital Agency has social media managers and social media professionals ready to help you grow your online presence today with everything from newsletter management, Twitter management, Instagram management, YouTube video editing, TikTok management, you name it, they are on top of it. Your first month is free and you also get a free social media checkup with every discovery call. That is jaguardigitalagency.com. And if you want to know how I got that ad read, I own the company. Um, so I just paid my, <laughs> I, I just paid myself for that. Connections. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with that, we're getting, we're getting kind of close to the hour mark, so I should probably start wrapping this up a little bit. This hmm. has been a great talk, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, I guess let's start with you know, the basic closing question. We've talked a lot of online. Where, where do we find you? Where are you at? Uh, so you can primarily find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, like we've talked about already. On all of them, you can pretty much search My Money Marathon with spaces, and you'll be able to find it. The handles might be slightly different, but you know the, the name is the same on all of them. So just look for My Money Marathon or Evan My Money Marathon, whatever it might be. You can also look on MyMoneyMarathon.com for longer-form content. I've got a weekly newsletter as well for uh, long-form content, expanding on ideas and kind of deep diving into my own personal philosophies around money and finances. Uh, as we had mentioned a little bit before, I've got some recent eBooks that came out for diving in your wealth to manage it. So automation, uh, wealth automation playbook, as well as managing your own finances without a financial advisor. And then pretty much all of the links for this sort of stuff are linked on all my social media profiles. So there'll be a link tree right below it and you can view all the links for all my products and services and points of contact. And as a note, I'm going to link all of that down in the show notes below or the or the video description, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to follow him, give him a check, check out all of his content, check out all of his profiles and everything. I may re-record that. So then number two, you know, like we talked about, you had to teach personal finance, a lot of the investing and personal finance, again, principles to yourself. What resources did you find that worked? Any like books or websites you'd recommend? Yeah, so... I would recommend two books primarily. One of them I still get like almost goosebumps talking about, which is so silly. And I know that's a very popular book is the four hour work week. The, the 
seismic shift in my mindset after reading that in terms of the possibilities of building something online it, it absolutely it blew me out of the the water of of what's possible out there um of course i haven't been able to achieve that success in a short amount of time because as tim ferris will talk about it takes a long time to get there but if you were looking to shift your mindset and realize how possible creating stuff stuff online building a brand building a business finding ways to make money online if you're, you're looking a way to kind of reassure yourself on that or look for new opportunities. The four hour work week by Tim Ferriss is a fantastic book. And then if you're looking for more kind of hard numbers behind finance, then the book by buy, buy this, not that by Sam Dogen is an awesome book goes over a ton of numbers behind how much income you should have before you buy a house of a certain cost or behind buying a car of a certain cost or what's a good idea along there are some general rules or the, the 4% rule for retirement, all that sort of stuff. If you're looking to, learn more about how to manage your finances and how to sort of set hard guidelines for yourself. And that's an awesome book. I think I have the four hour work week back there on my bookshelf. And yeah, I probably see it behind me. Um, <laughs> I've heard of, you know, the buy this, not that I've never read it though. I, I do appreciate the recommendation. I'll have to pick it up myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then final question end off every interview with this, what is next for my money marathon? We know your long-term goal is to go full-time with this. What's coming up real quick? What can we see from you? What can we expect from you? How how we reaching that goal? So first off would just be the obvious one, continuing to build an audience. You know, you have to have a larger audience to be able to turn anything full-time or have any massive success on anything. So continuing to build the audience and and find what resonates with people and continue to help people and and link up with people and make connections. I'm also trying to focus a little bit more on YouTube. I don't know whether that'll be long-term or not, but the reason behind that is I lean towards YouTube being my long-term goal. It's just at this point, the time it takes to script and then film and then edit is much more intensive as well as not as flexible as doing something like Twitter or blogging or Instagram, because I can do that anytime, anywhere. Whereas if I'm doing something like YouTube, I need time to sit down with a microphone and a camera if I'm recording myself yeah. and film everything. So, but I'd like to focus a little bit more on YouTube and put some more content out there and get some momentum going there as well as the last thing would be, I have some collaborations coming up with other creators, uh, putting out products, putting out courses, that sort of stuff. So just keep an eye out for collaborating with some, some other people. Hey, absolutely. I always love to hear it. Um, I would make one last aside. Oh my God, you're speaking the truth on YouTube. It's an amazing platform, but one hour to write, one hour to record, six hours to edit. Um, yeah. Either way, going to ending off there. Again, this has been the Strive to Five podcast. Thank you all so much for listening in. Subscribe to the show on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Evan, My Money Marathon, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Absolutely love this chat. Would love to have you back on for a part two at some point. And again, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I would absolutely love to come back on anytime.